The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Privacy Week on the MarTech Podcast. All right. This week, we're going to start a deep dive into a subject that can help keep money in your pocket by helping you keep your job, privacy. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that covers the rules for capturing and using customer data. Joining us for Privacy Week is world-renowned privacy expert, Casey Chappelle. Casey is an online privacy advocate and the data protection officer for GoCardless. Casey has worked as part of the in-house counsel for large enterprises, including eBay, Vodafone, and American Express Global Business Travel. Casey has a wealth of information to share, and we're excited to have her to help us kick off Privacy Week. Today, we're going to talk about some of the general rules for privacy, specifically international privacy law. Here's the first part of our interview with Casey Chappelle from GoCardless. Casey, welcome to the start of Privacy Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. It's good to be here. It is fantastic to have not only an ex-peer, a coworker at eBay, but also a world-renowned privacy expert. This might be a little overkill to have you on our MarTech podcast, but we're absolutely thrilled to be graced by your presence. <laughs> well, thank you. I don't know if I can live up to world-renowned expert, but certainly I've been doing this for probably about as long as most people in this industry. I started my career right about the time that the first data protection directive was coming into effect. I've been doing this for companies across a really wide array of industries. I started in online advertising, surprisingly enough, moved on to e-commerce, payments, mobile telecommunications, travel, and now I'm in fintech. So I've seen this from a lot of different sides and from both sides of the Atlantic. It's been a fascinating career. So you've basically been in the privacy field since it started, and you've been the in-house counsel related to privacy for some of the biggest and most sophisticated marketing companies in the world. So what I want to do is have you give us, to start off Privacy Week, some of the basic rules for privacy. There's been a lot of news related to Facebook and their data protections and GDPR. Why don't we just start off with Privacy 101, and we'll work our way into more sophisticated topics. Can you give us the high level of what marketers need to know to stay compliant with privacy? Well, if you need the very simple summary of privacy and how to not violate the law, 
I guess rule number one is don't be creepy. <laughs> now, obviously, there's a lot of nuance to that and a lot of detail to that. But privacy laws on both sides of the Atlantic and really around the world are designed to ensure that you do what you say and you say what you do that you give people notice about the kinds of data that you're using that might have an impact on them. And you make sure that you build in some controls around it. You give people choices about how you're going to use their data. So don't be creepy. Always a good rule. Doesn't just relate to online marketing. I would also say that you mentioned giving people notice. One of the practices for giving people notice is having your privacy policy published on your website and the truth is, most people who are using consumer services are probably not reading that in great detail. So what are some of the ways that our best practices that marketers use to make sure that their customers are aware of what data is being captured and how it's being used? There's a great study that came out quite some time ago now that said that it would take about four months out of every year for people to read the privacy notices that were presented to them in every interface they interact with. That's outrageous, obviously. Privacy notices are not how you're going to achieve appropriate levels of what in the industry is called transparency about your operations. So a privacy notice, of course, is an absolute necessity. It's required by law and regulators are going to be looking for it. And certain people who like to read privacy notices, like me, apologies. But there are better ways to make sure that you're achieving those expected levels of transparency. There's an interesting concept, particularly in online marketing, called the upfront notice or the just-in-time notice. It's making sure that you're giving people relevant information about the experience that they're having at the point where they're having it. So a good example of that is the Direct Marketing Association's requirements around upfront notice and on-ad links, something similar in the US around the Network Advertising Initiative and their requirements around notices for behaviorally target advertising. These are areas where you can provide a little more transparency, a little more notice in ways that people will actually interact with, as opposed to sticking it in your privacy notice at the footer of the page and expecting somebody to read it. So I, like you, love reading privacy statements. Kidding aside, I've read one in my entire life, and it's published at the bottom of benjshap.com, and <laughs> I don't even remember what's on it. I understand the concept of making sure that while someone is engaging with your content that you're putting the privacy policy or how the data is being used up front. Not me, but I'm sure that there is a marketer here that is rolling his eyes and saying, that's going to hurt my conversion rates if I take up real estate to put in legal language about privacy. So what is the right balance in terms of enabling customers to understand what data is being collected and how it's being used? and streamlining the process to get them to actually engage with the service. So it's that concern about conversion that creates an interesting balance. I'm sure you remember this term from our eBay days, every pixel fights for its life. The idea that anything you put on the page could potentially have an impact on conversion could create drop-off. And those of us in the privacy industry are sensitive to that. And there have actually been a lot of studies about that. And some of those studies have shown that when you are transparent about how information is being used, when you share more information, it has an impact on conversion, but it has a positive impact on conversion. So if you're sharing privacy information with people, say, on a web form, and you can tell them something like, here's how we're going to use your information and here are the choices you have about it. In a lot of instances, what these studies show is that people are more willing to engage with your web form, for example. So I wouldn't presume that sharing privacy information, providing upfront notice, giving choices is only going to negatively impact your conversion rates. 
I think that's a very important distinction that you can use privacy messaging as a indicator to build trust with your consumers. So by letting them know in an appropriate fashion at the right time that you are going to provide data protection and that their data will only be used in an appropriate manner, you're building the type of trust that they would want and you're hopefully building more goodwill that will enable them to move forward. Now, I'm sure that there are, to use extreme, some privacy people that want the font size for the privacy message to be larger than the marketing message. And I'm sure all marketers would want the marketing message to supersede the privacy message. There has to be a balance there. Well, there absolutely has to be a balance. You know, like everything, it's a negotiation. The privacy people, of course, do have the law on their side. It's a big stick that you can use, especially with some of the new laws coming into effect that have things like 4% of total global turnover as the potential penalties. I always like to use the carrot instead of the stick when I work with my marketing teams to make sure that they're understanding the implications on both sides of the equation. We're going to get into the conversation about the repercussions for breaking the law in a later episode, actually at the end of this week. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. I do want to talk a little bit about what the law is, and it's been changing. There was the GDPR laws coming out of, was it the European Union? Who actually made the GDPR laws? GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, is a European-level regulation, which means that the European Commission and the other governing bodies at the EU level created a regulation that applies across all of the EU member states. This is in comparison to the previous data protection law out of Europe, which was a directive, meaning that each member state in the EU had to implement their own enacting legislation. So now we have one law across Europe. It's different. It's new. It's not a revolution so much as an evolution in data protection law. It imposes new prescriptive obligations on anybody who collects and uses personal information about EU residents. 
So there's a couple things to break apart there. First off, the GDPR was a ruling that covers the vast majority of European countries. So there are special protections for the collection of personally identifiable information for those countries specifically. How do marketers know what countries those are? And how do they know how to appropriately handle the PII for their customers in Europe? So think about how you address the jurisdiction of any law. If you're operating in Europe, obviously the GDPR applies to you. If you're intentionally reaching out to European residents, you've got a website that's targeted at France, you've got a service that's available in German, right? Or any of the other multitudes of ways that you could be specifically operating with respect to European residents, then obviously the GDPR is going to apply to you. If you have any way of knowing that you're interacting with European residents, say you're collecting geolocation from your IP addresses or something like that, then you should probably presume that the GDPR applies to you. It's got some pretty significant extraterritorial impacts. Isn't that basically anybody that's using Google Analytics? I'm pretty sure Google Analytics looks at an IP level to understand where a web visitor is coming from. So hypothetically, I have a podcast that I market all over the world to pretty much anybody that's an English speaker. And I have traffic that comes to my website from Europe. So now I am under obligation to meet the GDPR restrictions. You're right. If you have a website that's available from Europe, then there is a potential for European residents to be interacting with you and accessing your services. So we have seen quite a few websites do geoblocking for exactly that reason. I'm a huge fan of Food52, and they broke my heart when last May they started blocking European residents from accessing the site. All of a sudden, all of my cooking just went out the window because that's where all my recipes were. That's the quantification that anybody providing services to potential European citizens is going to have to undertake, right? What is the potential risk of having this data about Europeans now that GDPR could potentially apply? Two comments. One, you should check out Yumly, which was founded by Dave Feller, who is a fellow eBay alum, great cooking website. And two, can you tell me what the rules are for GDPR? So for those of us who have a website or a web property that has customers or visitors in Europe, what are the things that we need to know at a high level to make sure that we are compliant with GDPR? So the Data Protection Directive required a whole lot of things that nobody ever paid any attention to. GDPR didn't change a whole lot of that. It just made the stakes much higher. So there were things that people were not doing that were not compliant with existing data protection law. They weren't making sure that they had a legitimate reason to have the data. They weren't ensuring that the data was proportionate to the purposes that they were trying to apply the data to. They weren't capturing the right consents where necessary to process the data. These aren't new requirements. They're requirements that were part of the Data Protection Directive before the GDPR, and that's been in effect since 1998. So what I'm hearing from you is the GDPR is not necessarily a new set of rules It is the enforcement of the previous rules that basically marketers and other people that are collecting data were ignoring. But what matters is you have an appropriate reason to be collecting data. You're giving the right notification that you're collecting data. What were the other components that you said? Data minimizing. And this is an interesting one. This is one that I think a lot of companies were dropping the ball on. 
data minimization means that you're only collecting the data that you actually need to achieve your legitimate business purposes, that you're not keeping it any longer than necessary, that you're establishing the right protocols within the business to ensure that the data is only handled in appropriate ways. There are all of these different nuances that are wrapped around the concept that your treatment of data should be proportionate. It should be legitimate and it should be minimized. And that's really the essence of the principles of GDPR. Okay. I think that's a great stopping point. We've got lots more to talk about related to privacy. We're going to go into detail about what are the data protection rules for email marketing, for advertising, and what happens when you break the rules. But that wraps up today's episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Casey for joining us. And if you want to hear more of Casey's advice, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app to check back with us tomorrow morning when we'll be discussing the rules related to privacy and data capture. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Casey, click the link in our show notes to see her bio. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, we want to say thank you for being a member of our community. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you think about the show, if you have any questions, comments, if there's any topics that you'd like us to cover. So click the link in our show notes to contact us. We also have some links to our LinkedIn or Twitter, or you can just look for the handle Ben J. Schaap. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the rest of Privacy Week with Casey Chappelle from Go Card List, we've got a bunch of great episodes lined up. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.